0: Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Lauren Peet, the founder and CEO of team analytics platform Multitudes. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Thanks for having me. So to start, I'm going to turn over to you to kick it off and say, what does Multitudes do?
1: Yeah. So Multitudes is a team analytics tool that helps leaders build happier and higher performing teams. And the key way that we do that is by pulling in data that teams already have. And then we uncover everything from who's missing out on feedback to who might need to check in about burnout in their next one-on-one. And Just a couple of things I'll say about that because I know that we have a unique approach to this. So one thing that we're really working with here was a key insight that more and more we're interacting with our team members online and we have all sorts of software tools that we're using to facilitate those interactions. And so those interactions, they're creating their own passive data, this data footprint, and that's really what we're taking advantage of to pull in our insights. And the other key insight here is that the way that we interact on a daily basis that has a big impact on the work and the quality of the work and how well it gets done. But also those interactions are at the core of how we feel about the work and how motivated and excited we are. So we're really bringing that together and going to the source of a lot of the performance things and culture things. And I thought I would just give one example of what that might look like in practice to bring it to life. So one of the teams that we've worked with, so they brought in multitudes and we were looking at some of the trends and Many teams today, especially those who are working with software developers, are thinking about how can we make sure to retain our software developers, particularly our seniors. And so something that leaders are often thinking about is, are they getting enough growth and development opportunities? So anyway, when we started working with this team and across the company, actually, we could see that their more senior developers were getting less feedback overall. So 30% less feedback than more junior people. And most of the feedback they were getting was from people junior to them. So it was just less likely to be giving them those growth and learning opportunities. So based on that data, the CTO made a change and actually pulled a senior developer out of the regular workflows and made them... He called it a float, but he put them into a role where they were giving feedback to other seniors. And so then what was great was after that change, that intervention that had been made by the CTO, we could track the outcomes. And what we saw was that within a month, there was a doubling in the feedback that senior developers were getting from other seniors. And not just from the float, it actually lifted up the overall feedback levels. And then within two months, we saw some nice flow on effects then to the performance side. So there was a 30% increase in how quickly they were finishing the work.
0: I really love hearing numbers and statistics, especially when it's towards a cause, which you know, retaining and attracting talent is so important this day and age. Are you able to talk to who some of your customers are? For example, are they larger enterprises, smaller enterprises, if you're willing to share any names?
1: Yeah. So our first focus is on software development teams. So that we're focusing on tech companies at the moment and The sweet spot for us is companies that are sort of series A and scaling. So those high growth companies are the ones that we're working the most with. We're working across a range of industries too. So we have companies that are in the ed tech space. So that example I gave is from one of our customers called Story Park. We also have companies that are in the construction tech space and all the way over to HR tech. So we have a customer, for example, in the UK called Applied that does recruitment software. Sounds like my space. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, And can you talk to, what's the revenue model? Is it a monthly? Is it an annual payment? Are there alternative different options?
1: Yeah. So we've got a monthly subscription fee that we charge. And we wanted to make sure that the way that we priced it was really lined up with the value that we're offering to our customers. And so given that, we charge based on the number of people that they're getting insights about on the platform. So the number of team members. It's uh, $15 per team member per month. And that means that as there's more team members and we're giving more value and for our products in particular, the real insights are in the interactions between all those team members and how they come together. But it means as there's more team members and that value scales, it means that the pricing naturally shifts too.
0: Nice one. And what is your geographic footprint at the moment?
1: Yeah. So this one has changed massively. So we're a young company. And when we first started with a really early alpha last year, we kicked off. With customers in New Zealand. But over the last year, we've now expanded our footprint to cover the US, the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and we even have a few assorted people in other countries as well. But you can see largely in kind of that English-speaking, Anglophone world.
0: Wow, exciting. And then how do you reach these customers? What's your go-to-market strategy?
1: Yeah, we're following a product-led growth strategy. So that means that we're making it as easy as possible for people to find us and try the product. And then we're also really focused on delivering value to our customers as quickly as we can when they start to try it. So we offer a free trial, especially with our first focus on developers. They love to get in there and just try things out and see what's (laughs) actually going on. And then one of the things that really helps us is since we're using passive data, Right off the bat, we go back and we collect six weeks of historic data. And so it means that as soon as we've pulled that data in, and it's a pretty quick process, it happens in minutes, we can right away start to show some insights to those people that are on our free trial. So that really helps with that product-led growth model. Fantastic.
0: And let's move on to talking about the industry as a whole. So how do we think about the target market that you're tapping into and how it's growing?
1: Yeah. So there's several key trends that impact our market that are related to COVID. And it in our case, it's really contributing to the growth. So I guess first to level set on where the market is today, the bigger problem that we're solving is how can we support teams to do great work? And if we look at how companies think about that today, I like to say it's one of those areas, it's quite fragmented. And there's a lot of different things that people are trying to do, but we haven't cracked it yet. People are still testing things. So when you think about all the different ways that we're trying to support our teams to do great work, it's a $95 billion plus market around the world. But within that, we've got a few key segments. So there's the employee engagement space. That's a $41 billion market. We've got the team performance space. That's a $13 billion market. And then we've got another bucket that's around that capability building side. So coaching, training, learning, that's a $41 billion market. And so really what we're doing with multitudes, this goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning is saying, well, what's at the heart of all of those things? What's at the heart of how well the work is getting done? What's at the heart of how we feel about our work? And it's in those interactions and in what we're measuring there. So that's a size. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just for a moment speak about maybe the trends that are contributing to growth in this market yeah. so a couple key things that have happened as a result of Covid. One, of course, is that remote work was happening, but now it is prevalent. And let's be honest, it's here to stay. As one example I can give is we've seen a real uptick in, in the number of companies where, in the past, they maybe had all their teams in one geographic location. And then since Covid, And because of some of the demands in a really highly competitive market of trying to find more developers, they now have teams, one, for example, they've got teams spread across the U.S. and then over in Eastern Europe as well. And so those companies, they're not going back. (laughs) We're, We're remote and distributed. We're here to stay. So that's a big trend. It means that in our case, it's even harder than before for managers to know how are our teams doing? How can I really support them? And it means there's a lot more digital interactions that are happening that we can pull in and use for our insights. Fantastic.
0: And how do we think about different markets? Do you notice that some are more ripe for disruption or they take up the product more? Do you find that you can just roll this blanket solution out globally?
1: Now, this is something we were really curious about with the last year as we've been expanding our geographic footprint. And something that's been interesting is, and I think this is related to the fact that we're still very much in the Anglophone part of the world, is we've seen more similarities than differences One other thing that might be related to that as well is we're working with developers and they are quite a connected group too. They're often hanging out in a lot of the same online communities and groups. So, yeah, we've seen far more similarities than differences across these geographies. That's great to hear. (laughs) Yeah, it helps us.
0: And the ability to tap into those different markets. Let's move on to the competitive landscape. So, how do you think about who are your competitors and if there's any listed stocks that we can refer to?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is our focus right now is on those teams, the tech companies that venture-backed. They're growing really quickly. So that means that our main competitor actually is is nothing. You know, It's people who've gotten promoted and someone more senior who says, hey, thanks so much. There's a ton on my plate. I'm so glad you're here. Take those things. I'm here to support you, but I'm pretty busy. I don't have that much time to support you. And so what we see is there's a lot of people who rely on management books, management videos, as they're trying to figure out what's going on. That said, there are, of course, companies that are investing in this. And so one of the key areas for competitors for us is in the engineering effectiveness space. So this is effectively the performance management space focused on software developers. And within that, we have some larger companies like Code Climate, Or Pluralsight, which is much larger, but they acquired a company called GitPrime, which is focused on these types of engineering performance management metrics. And then there's some other startups that are up and coming, like Jellyfish, for example. Exciting.
0: And what do you see longer term? Do you think it's going to be a winner-takes-all market or because there's so much opportunity that isn't perhaps tapped into, multiple solutions might exist?
1: Yeah, I think this will be a very classic B2B in that we'll end up with multiple solutions. Mm. But that said, it is a highly fragmented market now. And I do expect that to consolidate over time. One really strong thing that we do hear regularly from managers is that they don't want more tools. They want everything to be on one tool as much as possible because it saves them the time. And so I think that will drive a fair amount of consolidation.
0: And do you find with those wanting
1: more tools,
0: are you taking on other modules or are you adding more to each time?
1: That's very much the bigger vision for us. And so the first thing we're doing already is we're bringing together those culture and those performance metrics into one place. So that's the first thing we're offering to managers to say, look, we hear you, let's bring it all together. And then the second thing that we're thinking about is How can we help them with all these different decisions that they need to make using that data? So it might be decisions around what do I need to be raising in my one-on-one conversations to make sure that we're on track for delivery or for team well-being, or what types of things do I need to be thinking about when I'm doing work planning and figuring out what should be coming up or who I should give work to over the coming cycles. And then
0: how easy is it or hard is it to replicate this business?
1: Yeah. So the key for us, there's the biggest benefit we have now, and then a second benefit that will continue to grow over time. So the first one now is the unique domain expertise that our team brings. That, of course, it gives us a bit of a head start. Before starting Multitudes, I ran a diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting business. And in that, we were working mostly with tech companies. And then our team, of course, has deep experience as developers and data scientists. And so we're bringing together the research that I'm very familiar with for my consulting business and then the lived experience. And then the big thing that's going to be really key in terms of our moat is that we're building a unique data set. So we're pulling in this passive data, but we're also combining it with what we're learning about what people do with the data. And as that goes, it's like we're getting sort of the passive data, which is the flow of what happened. But we're learning about what interventions managers are taking along the way. And so as we do that, that means we can start to say, great, these types of interventions, they correlate with these types of outcomes. And that'll feed into the recommendations and the predictive modeling we can do in the future.
0: Yeah, it sounds as though that makes sense. And that accumulation of data gets you at the forefront versus some of your peers. I may move on to now the economics of some of the businesses. So can you talk to what are some of the biggest costs that you're spending on today and how you see that trending?
1: Yeah. So we're a software business and like a classic software business, it means that labors are number one. And Mm. so much of what we do, it comes out of the the ideas and the brainstorming and the collaboration amongst our team members. And so that I expect to remain similar over the coming years.
0: And is that employees being spent more towards sales and marketing or more on that R&D spend?
1: particularly on the R&D spend. Yeah, there's a couple of things behind that. One, there is some significant heavy lifting that we need to do on the data science side in particular. There's some cool pieces of work actually that we've been working on over the last year through a partnership with the University of Melbourne that I'm excited to release in the product. Mm -hmm. So there's some heavy lifting on that. And the second thing is that since we're following a product-led growth model, a big part of our growth strategy really does come down to how delightful is the product? How quickly is it delivering value? So yeah, the product and that R&D spend is really our key.
0: Yeah. And can we talk a bit about customer churn and stickiness or it might be too early days, but anything you can give around, that would be great.
1: Yeah. So we've had incredibly low churn. This is one of the things that I think we're most excited about. So we haven't had any yet. I mean, we are early days, but, (laughs) but yeah, what I can say is we have our very earliest customers who, mind you, came on board when we had, you know, they started paying when we had an alpha product that was very, very rough. We launched our beta product this year. They've stuck with us for almost two years now. So we're, we're very proud about that.
0: Yeah, very much so. And do you find it's hard though? Say they go in there and they've got some other software. Is it hard to get them into your business or do they try to at the one time? Do they keep to? Any color around that?
1: Yeah. So this one, it's been really interesting to see some of the companies that have come on board more recently. And one, for example, I know this because we had a conversation about it, had tried some of the other competitors in this space and was excited when he tried our tool because our big focus is on making sure that every team member has access to their own data. So ultimately we want teams to work well together. Trust is really important for that. Mm -hmm. And so tools that come in and they give the senior people data and not the more junior people that data, it's really a trust eroder. Whereas for us, we really value that trust and transparency. And so we're actively encouraging all of the managers using our tool to give access to their whole team so they can see that as well. So that was something that really stood out. Absolutely.
0: And how do you think about that lifetime value of a customer? Does it keep on growing? So say those customers that you got back in the beta phase about two years ago, how are they evolving?
1: Yeah. So this is one of the benefits of working with companies of the type and the stage that we are. What we see is that they're continuing to grow. So they're often venture-backed businesses. They're going after very high growth markets as well. And then as they grow, they bring in their team members as well. So that's one area of growth we've seen with our ongoing customers. And then another thing that we've also seen is, and we've we've designed the product to support this, is that we might get one team initially or maybe a couple teams from a company and they try it out. And then as we're proving our value and supporting them, they talk to their peers within the company. And we've also Mm -hmm. seen it spread internally that way too.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And that's the best thing about charging per employee.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Let's look at some
0: strategies for growth. If we think about the next growth profile, there's so many things that you want to do, but if you can nail them down, how do we think about the next 12 months?
1: So the first big one for us, which you can see in what we've been doing over the last year, is that geographic expansion. We didn't know at the beginning how different it was going to be across geographies, and particularly because we're looking at team interactions. Really early on, we wanted to start testing, are there big differences, are there not? So we haven't seen huge differences, like I mentioned, but we wanted to validate that and de-risk that. So that's the first one that we've really been focusing on. And then the second thing I would say over the next 12 months is we will continue to solidify that geographic expansion, but we'll also be broadening the sizes of companies that we're working with too. And there's a degree to which we expect that to happen naturally. As our high growth customers continue to grow, they will become bigger companies, but we'll also be thinking more about what features we can add to support those larger companies too. If there
0: is anybody that's listening and they do have their own business, where can they go to find out more?
1: I love this question. Thank you. So we're at <laughs> multitudes.co.co is the end part of the URL. And we have a beta that's open. It's a private beta, but on our website, you can request access and we'd love to hear from you.
0: Super. Well, thank you once again, Lauren Pate, founder and CEO of Analytics Platform, Multitudes. I love the work that you're doing in this space and I can't wait to see the journey.
1: Thanks so much, Elise. This was great.